Welcome to the Coast to Coast podcast. This is episode one. We're starting a new podcast. This is me and two of my friends. We're all three in our 20s. We really enjoy the NBA. We like to keep up with it regularly. We like to watch games as much as we can, keep up with all the news, all the action. And we just had an interest in wanting to discuss it and just kind of come together and be able to uh, toss our thoughts around just with each other. And we've all three been into some podcasts, so we wanted to start one of our own. Uh, just some introductions here real quick. Uh, I'm your host, Kyle Creasy, and um, I'm a student assistant for the, the men's basketball program that I go to school at called Marable College, and I also run cross country and track. I plan on one day teaching math and coaching basketball. Uh, my love for the sport came from Kobe Bryant and watching him uh, in elementary school. And my favorite current player is Kawhi Leonard. I'm a Clipper fan because of that. And my favorite NBA moment is probably when Kawhi hit the shot to beat the Sixers in that conference semifinals. So now I'm going to pass it off to my co-host, Tommy Smith. Uh, so what's up, guys? My name is Tommy Smith. Um, I am a manager at Walmart. I am over the digital part of the business. So um, if you ever want to come get your get pick up groceries, uh, have a shop for you, that's what I am over. My ultimate goal is to uh, become a regional manager for Walmart, uh, creating a di direction for multiple markets all around the world through Walmart. So my love of basketball is a little bit different. It came from my father. So my father wasn't around when I was younger. So um, I wanted something to kind of grasp onto him. So basketball was the thing. He loved Kobe Bryant. So I really, uh, I really didn't appreciate Kobe as much as I could have when I was when he when I was younger. Um, and so recently, or when he passed away, is when I really started to appreciate him. But I was really a LeBron guy when I was younger. Um, but there's like, my dad is the reason why I didn't like Kobe. And that isn't, that, that wasn't fair. My favorite current player is Trey Young. Favorite team is the Hawks. I'm a Atlanta guy through and through. And my favorite moment is definitely when the, uh, LeBron came back three, one in finals. All right, guys, I'm Blake. Um, I am a student and a sports management major. Um, I have uh, I've always loved basketball. Uh, growing up, I was a huge fan in Ray Allen. He will always be my all-time favorite. He's why I like just love watching the NBA. Um, but now I am a Clippers fan. Uh, have been for going on about 12, 13 years now. Uh, favorite player is a very controversial one in Kyrie Irving but uh, we'll look past some of his stuff. And um, I'd have to say that my favorite moment in uh, probably be rounds three, yeah, you know, just commentary, the atmosphere and everything. You can't be that moment. I mean, it's just, it's insane. <clears throat> All right. Yeah. So that's your three hosts for this podcast. Uh, that won't be a regular thing that we do to start this podcast, but we just wanted to kind of introduce ourselves uh, before we jump into some things. So today we've got a few different topics for you guys. Uh, we're going to really jump into the race in the East right now. And then we're going to talk about the trade deadline and kind of what, what we feel about those moves that were made as it's still pretty close to whenever all that had happened. And then we're going to move into 
how we feel about the Blazers and their organization and their moves and what they're doing going forward. And then we're just going to talk about some of the young talent in the league and how we feel about it and what the what, what's going on with the young guys and who we think's really going to turn into that kind of star and who we just really like and who we enjoy watching and that kind of stuff with those young guys. But to start it out, you know, we're going to jump straight into the race in the East. Uh, it's been close. It's been really close the whole time. Um, I mean, you've got the distance between the first seed, the Heat, right now, and the seventh seed, the Raptors, is literally six games. And, you know, I mean, to some people, that may not sound like it's crazy, but, you know, there's guys that go on a eight-game win streak, and some people may go five and five in their next ten, and then, boom, you're only a few games behind. So, I mean, six games, that's nothing in the big scheme of things. And even the Nets that are right behind Toronto are only <laughs> nine games back. and you know, your difference from the East and the West right now is the West, your first seed and your eighth seed are probably, I think it's like still like a, I think it's more than a 14 game separation. And so you're looking at just nine in the East. The current standings, you've got the Heat are first, the Bulls are second right now, Sixers are third, the Bucks are, the Bucks are fourth, fourth, the Cavs are fifth, the Celtics are sixth, the Raptors are seven, and the Nets are eight. So we're just going to talk about these eight. I know that we've got the play-in situation, but we're just going to assume for the time being that the seven and the eight win those play-in games. Just look at it, just those eight, as if the playoffs started today with those guys. And uh, first, I'm going to go to Blake first. Blake, who do you trust come playoff time in the East? Um, well, start of the season, I got laughed at for this, but – the Bulls are the team in the East to look out for. They're a little bit of a skid right now. Uh, lost last three, but they are 24 and nine at home. So if you're going in, you're probably not coming out with a dub. But um, I mean, they just got to pick it up, honestly. Like away, they're right at 500 for the record right now where they're standing. But I mean, the Bulls are just. They're tough, dude. I mean, I know depth might be an issue that you see, Kyle. I mean, I mean you've talked about it before. Um, and honestly, I'm just going to say it, dude. I know some people that have said the Sixers, and those two teams are probably the top two for me right now. Um, that move at the deadline with Harden, I mean, that's going to be something we probably talk about here in a minute anyway, so I won't get into it. But, I mean, Sixers are even better on the road this year than they are at home. Like, it's just case in point. They're on a four-game streak right now. I don't know when they're going to slow down. And that trio and Harden and Bede, Maxie, because Maxie is a part of the trio. I mean, I think we can all agree. agree with that right now. I agree. That's a big three. I, it's, a, it's a three right now. That man is killing it. Um, I see them. I see the Bulls. I see the Sixers. Teams that I don't see – I don't think the Cavs are keeping it up. I think they're going to drop to eight. I think I see them. I, they're going to stay in. I mean, it's so close. Let's, let's hold on that for now. Okay, we'll hold Tommy, on that. But we'll Tommy, get into it. We'll get Tommy, into who that. Do you, who do you trust, <laughs> Tommy, going into the Eastern? Uh, so, yeah, right now I really do trust the the Heat. So they're forty two and twenty two. They've lost seven games at home this year. They're pretty good on the road as well. The only uh, problem I see is when they are playing in overtime and they don't play in overtime often. So a team I like to, uh, that I'd like to see go far and I do see going far is the Miami Heat. Uh, Bam Adebayo is playing great right now. Uh, Jimmy Kyle Lowry, they're, they're just that good. They're just that good. And they have depth. Uh, they have a 
crazy closing game lineup, a possibility where they have Kyle Lowry, uh, Jimmy, Tyler, Bam. That's who I uh, really do trust right now. So the they're heat, good at home. They're good on the road. The heat, hey, before you start, Kyle, before you start. Okay, go ahead. Bam, did you see how far he jumped in the – uh, standings for defensive play of the year, like his yes. like odds and, and I, everything. That that is crazy. I like that, and I, I know. like that. I agree with that because he was probably the front runner before he got hurt, and he was out for a while. But he's been playing consistently again, and he's back, and he's doing the same things. So I mean, I agree with it. So the Heat are seventeen and six when the big three of Jimmy Bam and Kyle all play. That's pretty impressive, and even given the injuries with the Heat. All year, they're fifth in net rating, they're seventh in offense, sixth in defense, and seventh in the clutch. That's that's insane to be that high in all of those categories. That's especially considering how much time all of those guys have missed. So me personally, um, right now, my top two that I'm trusting are the Bucks and the 76ers. And Always the Bucks. The Bucks. The Bucks for me, uh, I mean, they're ninth in net rating, sixth in offense, 13th in defense, 13th in clutch, but they are 26 and eight when the big three play. And, you know, I just like what I see when they all play together, especially considering what they did last year. And I just think that Giannis has progressed as a player. Drew Holiday has become even more comfortable with this team. He's taking more responsibility. I think he's option two. I think if you watch the Bucks enough, you don't consider Chris Middleton option two right now this season specifically. Um, and they're going to be able to throw out a lineup at some point where those three are on the floor together and you've got different options with whether it's Grayson Allen or if you want to throw, you know, if you want to throw one of those new defensive guards out, Bembry is shooting 55% from the corners this season. And he's played really good defense in his tenure with the Nets. He's been solid with the Bucs so far. Uh, you've got Wes Matthews, who's been solid for the Bucs this year. Uh, they just picked up Javon Carter. And in the minutes he's played, he's been a really good defender for this team. And, you know, they may not get Brooke Lopez for the rest of the year, but that's where I think that, that move for Ibaka comes into play. And he's just a stretch big for them that can really help and can defend a little bit in terms of he's not what he used to be, but he can still, he's still a smart defender. He can still move a little bit. And uh, Bobby Portis has been awesome this year, uh, shooting the lights out of the ball. So just like the versatility with those lineups on both ends of the floor, still super high on the bucks and the Sixers for me, top 10 net rating, top 10 offense, top 10 defense. And that's, that's James Harden's only played three games with this team. So you know, to be all that, and they had $33 million sitting on the bench, uh, they've only played three games. I know two have been against the Knicks. The other one was against the T-Wolves. But the big four, because I'm just going to consider them together as a big four just in terms of lineups, are plus 17 in three games together. That, that's, that just sticks out to me. So those are my two that I trust. Uh, I just want to – I know we kind of – I know we know who kind of each other's one and two are. But if you had to kind of rank your top five, Tommy, in the East right now, in terms of who do you, who would you pick to come out of the East if they're fully healthy, one through five? Let me hear it. You so you you want me to go in order? Yeah, you can start with one. All right, perfect. So one, I'm taking the Heat. They're just they're just that good. 
Um, number two, I have the Bucks. Three, I have the Nets. Four, I have the Sixers. And five, I have the Bulls. The Bulls are just on a decline right now, and I don't trust them. Blake, who are your five in order? In order. Uh, fully healthy. <clears throat> Gosh. Fully healthy, I'm going to have to go with the Bucks up top. Taking the Bucks. Um, and Heater's going to stay up top, too, dude. Like, it's just – you can't go – I mean, I've always been high on the Heat for years, but – I mean, I'm going to give the Bucks as as long as they're in it, they're going to they're going to defend it. They're going to defend their title. So I'm going Bucks, Heat, Sixers, Bulls, and I'm, I'm going to throw them in there. I'm going to throw the I'm going to throw the Celtics in there. I don't trust the Nets right now. Okay. I, I don't I don't trust them. So my before I get into my five, I'm just going to say the Bulls are not in my top five. Okay. And my reasoning for the Bulls personally is. You know, they are they are a good team. They're 12th in net rating, 5th in offense. We knew that they were going to have a great offense, you know, regardless if the defense – we knew going into this season with the pieces that they put together, you were just – I think you were oblivious or blind if you didn't think the Bulls were going to have a top-10 offense, okay? So they're 5th in offense, doing really good. They're 20th in defense, but to their credit, Alex Caruso has played in about 28 games, and when Caruso plays, their rating would put them at 8th. So I think that that's fair in mentioning that when he plays, their defense is 10 times better. Uh, their fourth and clutch, big part of that is DeMar has been insane this year. Uh, definitely an MVP candidate. I think he's awesome. But my biggest concern with the Bulls right now is when they've played teams that are good. And this doesn't always necessarily translate into the playoffs, but it's a good indicator, especially with this sample size. They are 2-13 and 13 versus teams with a 60% win percentage or better this season. They're 0-3 versus the Heat. They're 0-3 versus the Sixers. They're 0-1 versus the Bucks. That's their next game after tonight. They play them again, so that, well, that'll be interesting to see. They're 1-1 against the Cavs. They're 1-1 against the Celtics. And they are 2-1 against the Nets, and KD was in all three games. So that is, that is good. That is a little bit of a somewhat high note, considering that they've played well against the Nets. Uh, but that's that's my struggle with the Bulls. Uh, Vucevic really struggles whenever he plays a competent center at all. Um, I've I've never been the highest on Vucevic. Uh, I think Demar can be really good. I think Levine can be really good. But I think that your top talent matters, and I just don't think that those guys in the playoffs are going to be as good as a Giannis or an Embiid or Kevin Durant. But my top five in order, I got the Bucks one. I think you could have guessed that after the way I talked about them. Uh, 76ers two, same thing, you know, same way I talked about them. I've got the Celtics third. I'm really high on the Celtics. Uh, the way that they've played since the new year started. Uh, the Celtics in the season, that they're fourth in net rating. They're 17th in offense, but they are second if you look at their rating from 2022 on. And they're second in defense. Uh, not a very good clutch team, but um, they did blow a lot of leads early on in the season. Uh, and Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Rob Williams have the best plus-minus of any three-man lineup in the NBA right now. That's played a certain amount of minutes together. They are a plus 8.2 on the floor together. Uh, Rob Williams has been awesome. I think he might be the most underrated player in the league. And 
since they just got Derek White at the trade deadline, uh, I think they may have the best defensive backcourt in the NBA as well. And Derek White gives them a shot creation that they didn't have with Josh Richardson there before. Uh, so I got the Celtics three. I got the Heat at four. Uh, you know, I'm not necessarily as high on the Heat as some guys are, but I still think they're built for the playoffs. Uh, there's certain matchups that they really are going to give teams trouble in if they have to see them. And uh, I've got the Nets fifth. And to me, I know they're eighth right now. I know they're probably going to be in the play-in. But uh, I'm going to be honest. If I'm any team in the league, um, this mandate stuff's looking good for Kyrie. Kevin Durant's the best player in the world, in my opinion. He's back now. Dropped 31 tonight. Hasn't even played in two months. Uh, it is tough that they found out today Joe Harris is going to be out for the year. Um, that's a big loss. But uh, if, if they can get – I know it's a big if. That's why I have them at fifth still because of their potential. But if they could get Simmons back, Kyrie playing full-time, Durant's there. It's a lot of ifs, but they're fifth for that reason for me. Um, so, yeah, uh, the East is going to be fun, man. Uh, just jumping into the Cavs real quick, too. Uh, you know, uh, I think that they have somewhat of a good build for the playoffs. I think they can play good playoff-style basketball. Uh but I just think the inexperience is going to get to them. you have any thoughts on that, Blake? I was going to say <clears throat> that's that's one thing they lack outside of Kevin Love. I don't, I don't really well. think – Rondo as well. I forgot about Rondo. I forgot about him. Um, you have those two guys out of that, that experience on that team is second to none. So, if, if we're really going to – like, are they built for the playoffs? We don't know because when's the last time the Cavs have been in the playoffs? Fair. So, um, I mean, I trust the leadership of those two, but do I trust them to be able to carry them? No, they're nearly 40 years old. I'm not going to throw them into the fire, you know. But um, I, I like their young, their young crew, guys. I mean, looking at their team, I mean, Mobley is just going to be a beast in the league. He, okay. I, 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 he's going to be a beast. Him and Darius, dude, I'm telling you, you give them guys five years' time together, I, I think they got something working. I think they got something working. For sure. But um, right now, no. So, right now, no. So the Cavs are fourth in defense, and they're fun to watch to me from a basketball perspective just because, you know, when they started the season, uh, J.B. Biggerstaff said that he came out with the starting lineup for the first game, and everybody's reading it, and they're looking at Garland Sexton. Everybody expected that. And then we saw this little trio of Larry Markinen, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen, and everyone's like, this is a disaster. Like, you're starting three seven-footers. Two of them aren't necessarily mobile, and we don't know if Mobley can shoot yet. Larry Markkinen's not been some reliable shooter to that point to the start this year. Jared Allen's definitely not a shooter. And so, you know, we're looking at this, and we're like, what's uh, – this is interesting. But uh, it turns out that the defensive versatility – uh, is just crazy. They're just able to – they're just able to switch in so many different defenses and go zone and go in these weird zones and just give teams all different kinds of issues because of it. So, it's, it's – they're fun to watch. But I agree, more of a future team. Tommy, any thoughts on the Cavs? I like the Cavs a lot for the future but not this year. I think their inexperience is going to show in the playoffs, and I think they're going to be a first-round exit, to be completely honest. 
I I think that's I think that's more than fair. And they might even be a play in bounce, if we're being honest. Well, you I know, don't think they get caught and then I don't think I mean, that they get caught I don't, I don't think that they'll fall that much. I, but I was meaning from I was meaning from my 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 thought process of No, I got falling. I got you. I got yeah. you. I got you. Okay. And then no disrespect to the Raptors. Uh I'm I'm high on I'm high on them. I like watching them. They play hard. They're very versatile on defense specifically. Uh, they got a guy. They got they got a lot of guys that play really hard. But I think I can speak for us all, and maybe and you guys can speak up if you want. Uh, none of us are taking the Raptors very seriously in a playoff series compared to other teams. This finals are bust for me, honestly. <laughs> no, I'm no. <clears throat> Tommy, any thoughts on the Raptors? So the Raptors are a very interesting team. So they they have let me look at let me look at this. They have the second most games decided by three points or less, and they don't show well in those games. So I'm not too high on the Raptors. Just simply because that that reason right there, they don't play well in close games. More than fair. I mean, you got you got Pascal and Van Vliet. I mean, they're going to go out there and they're going to drop twenty for you every night. But I mean, as far as like out of their top five guys, no one's scoring double digits. I mean, and it's by like a good margin. So you're really hurting. Like when you don't have certain guys on the floor, like Scotty Barnes or Trent, or you know guys like that, they don't have a good enough like supporting cast to be able to push them to go anywhere. Honestly, like, yeah. and they're, <clears throat> they're one of their weirdest things to me is you go from more undersized players like Van Vliet and Trent, and then the rest of the guys that pretty much play because honestly Nick Nurse has went to about a seven to eight man rotation at this point kind of early but it's just what's successful for them so he's hitting it and their team's not old really so he can do it and he's got that luxury but you go from those two that are kind of undersized Malachi Flynn's not necessarily big for his position either but uh after that you go to just basically a bunch of 6'10 slash 7 footers that are just kind of versatile but like you just don't really have that prototype 6'7 6'8 maybe even 6'9 wing that is just more agile or quick I guess is a good way to put it. So it just – I think a little more variety on the roster could be nice. But they're a team that's going to play hard every night. They can beat any team in the league <clears> any night. Totally respectable. No disrespect to the Raptors. I just think that, like I said earlier, it's fair that we don't go in-depth in them like we did the others because I don't think that they're any type of contention. So we're going to transition now to the trade deadline and a lot of moves happen there. So uh, let's get to those. We're going to grade these, and we're going to say some of our favorite moves, some of our least favorite moves. So we'll get going into that now. So going into the trade deadline, um, a lot of moves, definitely. Uh, definitely one of the bigger trade deadlines in our lifetimes. Uh, I guess I'll just start out. <coughs> Was this trade deadline, did you guys expect a lot of these moves? Tommy, I'll start with you. Did you expect – a good amount of these moves. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I expected none of them. What about or none some of these, them? 
some of these players specifically, did you expect them to be gone at the deadline? All I have to do, all I have to say is two times in one year. <laughs> Blake, any, That's all I have to say. any thoughts on that? Did you expect a lot of these players to be moved or, or were you kind of like shocked that these deals actually went through? Uh, I was going into the uh, Pacers trade. Um, I didn't really see Buddy Hill getting moved in. I thought that after they passed up the whole Westbrook situation, I didn't see him going or actually Halliburton, to be honest. I thought they were going to build around him. Like, forget about Buddy Hill. Scratch that. Don't even listen to me about Buddy Hill. <laughs> Halliburton, I mean, he's going to have a great future in the league. I mean, second year in, he's already averaging 20 and 10. Um, I mean, dude's a bucket. So, um, as far as like players getting moved, he was probably the most surprising on my for my end. Like, I didn't see that happening. Um, what was your like? What was your favorite move at the day? Oh, um, it'd have to be you know a little Homer move here. But if we're looking into the uh, the Clippers. Um, my favorite trade was getting Norman Pound Rocco from the Blazers. Um, Basically, I mean, it hurt getting rid of Keon, you know, being a UT fan. But uh, I can look past it since we got a good third option and a, a reliable big that with a shot. Um, and also, I mean, no offense to Eric Bledsoe or Justice Winslow, but I was, they weren't really cutting it, if we're being honest. Yeah. So, and so I, I, mean, I also had the Clippers getting Norman Powell. And I, I don't think – I think fairly for us, it's not just because we're Clippers fans. Uh that was just – it was like a wow move across the whole league. I mean, looking forward to next year, you just look at the depth of the Clippers roster with the duo. And really and truly, you might be able to eventually call it a trio with Norman Powell. And so, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it works. But that was mine. But since you said that one, I had another one in mind. And it was – for me personally, it was the Celtics getting Derek White. And you added a shot creator that can also do a little bit of creation for others. He probably, like I mentioned earlier, he probably pairs with Marcus Smart as the best defensive backcourt in the NBA, and that just keeps piling onto a strength of the Celtics, which is how good that their defense is. And considering that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have so much on their plate and Smart was having to do a little too much playmaking duties, I think that Derek White really helps them in that sense as well in the offensive end. It gives them a really good closing lineup of Derek White, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Rob Williams. That's just – so many options on both ends of the floor with that group of five. Uh, I just – I really like that move. TK, what was your favorite move of the deadline? So, you guys are going to, like, stab me here. But I'm going to say that it was uh, Pelicans getting CJ McCollum. I liked that one. So, it seems like, oh, one. Say, so it seems like the Trailblazers decided that they wanted to go through a whole uh, re rebuild. But we're going to get to that later. Um, but – I'm going to go out on a limb here and say the Pelicans are going to make the playoffs. I okay. don't think the I don't think the Lakers are going to get in. <clears throat> All right. But yeah, I I'll think they're going to jump the Lakers and yeah, I think they're going to jump the Lakers and make the playoffs. Okay. Yeah, I I like the CJ move a lot. Um but yeah, like you said, we'll get into the Blazers here after the trade deadline. But uh the first trade obviously the biggest well, before we get into this, let's also discuss well Tommy, what was your least favorite move at the deadline or around the deadline?
I don't know if you guys read it or not, but um, Tyrese Halliburton literally cried when he got traded. They, uh, the Pacers, or the Kings did him dirty. Uh, so I'm gonna go with that one because he was a young star or a young budding star. He could have done something. He's only in the second year in the league. Uh, so I'm gonna say it was uh, the Kings getting rid of him for Sabonis. Well, although they did get better, but still. You're trading away your young star too, and I I had that to, as one of my options. To what? Yeah, to I, I what? had that as one of my options for the least favorite move as well. Uh, I agree with a lot of things you said, and we'll dive into that whenever we discuss that trade specifically. But my other one was the Knicks trading for Cam Reddish. I was going to bring that up, dude. That is so dumb because they're not even using them. What What are we doing here? I'm, I'm I mean, we, we've got a team that literally sucks, like horrible. And mm-hmm. you think with some of the young players that they might go young, it's just not in Tom Thibodeau's blood to play young players unless you're a star like Derrick Rose or if you're mm-hmm. really good like R.J. Barrett has been. And Just the way he is. I mean, don't get me wrong. All they traded was a first-round pick. I definitely thought that it was that the price was a little higher. But at the end of the day, that is, that. Still a, that is still a first-round pick that you gave up for a guy that you're not giving minutes to. I'll take that first-round pick happily. That's what I'm saying. And it's got a protection on it, too. But at the end of the day, that's a first-round pick that the Hawks could end up with to either use or use as an asset to trade with for a guy that wasn't going to play in their rotation because of how deep they are in the perimeter. And I just didn't understand that trade from the Knicks' point of view. I That one really – it didn't irritate me when it happened because I was like, oh, Cam Reddish, new home. But I've really been irritated with that since he got there and his lack of playing time. That's but, stupid, but I hate the Knicks. Um, so, typical <laughs> Hawks fan. <laughs> Second favorite trade. Going into obviously the biggest trade, the finally Ben Simmons. And the Mavs trade. and the Port. Oh, my bad. I thought it was Mavs Porzingis. <laughs> <laughs> but finally, <laughs> finally, we don't have to hear about Ben Simmons this, Ben Simmons that, which we still do some until he gets back playing. But it's just. I don't know about you guys, but I was tired of hearing of all the Ben Simmons stuff. I was just ready for it to be done. The Harden stuff did kind of come out of nowhere to me personally until about two weeks, a week or two weeks before he was traded. But uh, I'm going to give my grade first for both teams. Um, I personally think that I would give the 76ers an A minus and I would give the Nets an A plus. And my reasoning is, don't get me wrong, win-win for both teams. Great trade for both teams. To get an A in general, from even if it's A minus, you you did a great deal, okay. But I don't think that Daryl Morey and the 76ers thought they were gonna have to give up what they did for Harden. I think that they thought Simmons and maybe a first round pick or maybe, but to give up Simmons, listen, I'm not a big drumming guy, but he'd been a solid backup center for the 76ers this year, okay. Seth Curry, one of the best shooters. He can shot. He can create his own shot a little bit, and they gave up two first round picks also. And I think whenever you're looking at it from that point of view for this year, the big three for the 76ers have been incredible. I think they're going to be really good, but I just think it's going to be hard for them this year in terms of depth to go at it. The big three are just going to have to be amazing, which they can be. But I think the any time that you're using a year especially with James Harden at this age where your depth isn't there. And again, it's hard for me to explain this because I do think they're a contender, but it's just, 
you do that trade every time, but it's just, I think for you to trade to an interconference rival that's going to have now Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, other pieces as well, and they have two first-round picks to be able to use in the offseason. That's just big time for Brooklyn, in my opinion. What did you guys grade those trades? Tommy, what did you grade for both teams? So for this trade, um, I actually gave the 76ers an A, and I gave the Nets a B. Okay. Because um, the the 76ers traded away Seth Curry. Um, James Harden's better than him. And uh, Ben Simmons, who was not playing at all for them, refused to play for James. Yeah, James Harden. Um, dude absolutely bamboozled the Nets. Uh, dude was going out drinking every night. He was fat. He was literally fat. And uh, two weeks later, he does whatever he does. I'm going to have to hit him up so I can uh, do whatever I want and then get skinny the next week. Um but yeah, I mean, I gave them a, and I gave the Nets a B because um, I have the best player in the world, Kevin Durant. But what's going to happen when Ben Simmons goes is in the playoffs, goes to Philly, plays games where he's getting absolutely hammered? And I the think same thing's going to happen that was happening before, and he's got he's he's going to go to the bench. And it's still it's just now it's now they don't have James Harden now it's Kevin Durant and Kyrie it's just they just lost an asset because yeah. and I, and I it's think, so I think easy to get in the dude's fair. head yeah I, th- I think that's more than fair uh, I I've tried to look at it from what's all being reported and what's all being reported is he's extremely happy to be there I know some of that stuff can happen hopefully it doesn't for the sake of just him as a basketball player. But I've just me personally, and I I do not fault you at all for looking at it like that. I actually respect your grade and what and your reasoning. But I'm just trying to look at it from a basketball fit perspective. But your reasoning is just as valid as mine because if there's any player to question in that sense of a mental stability, it is definitely Ben Simmons. Uh, Blake, what did you grade that trade? Yeah, we'll I see. believe I believe that both those trades, uh, both sides, got an A. I I think it's even. Uh, for a few reasons. And before I get into it, Tommy, James Harden, hit him up. He's got a fat suit that he puts on. And that's how he, <laughs> that's how he, that's how he looks like that. Got him a fat suit. I guarantee it. <clears throat> but, um, um, so looking into the, the trade, we'll look on the, uh, the Sixers side of it first. They're getting James Harden and Paul Millsap. Now, James Harden goes without question. He plays his best ball. He is going to be top ten, top five player, for sure. without with, with, without a doubt. Paul Millsap, he is a reliable shot. Um, you know, you just got to make sure that he stays good and healthy. And I mean, I, I really don't see an issue with adding him there. Uh, get let's go to the Nets. That's where I really focus more in on it. They're getting two first round picks. Like it doesn't even matter if it's twenty or twenty to thirty. Those those picks are very important. Those those picks are more important than Drummond, hundred percent. Um, but um, Ben Simmons, you know, he's a guy that if he's playing, he can go out there and get you fourteen, ten, and ten. Like, I mean, he's not gonna 
be a shot creator at all. Um, but I mean, I'm really excited to see like how he works with uh, uh, Corver because I don't know if y'all seen those videos of him shooting with him, but I trust Kyle Corver to my heart's extent with <laughs> shooting. So I don't know. I think Ben Simmons. Um, it's going to be interesting to see his role on the team. Um, but going into like the whole like Joe Harris situation, he, he's out for the season. They add Seth Curry. And in his first seven games, he's averaging 18 points a game on a 47% from the three. So, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, you're losing Joe Harris, but you're picking up an arguably a better shooter. I mean, it's close. I mean, but just depending on, like, the role that they give Seth Curry, I I don't see an issue with it. I think it was an even trade losing Joe Harris and Seth Curry. I think the Nets are fine. Like, both teams are going to be good regardless. Nets got to pick it up. They're right at 500, but they just got KD back. They're going to they're gonna keep building from here, so nothing to worry about. Yes, and uh, it will be my dream that we get a playoff series of those two teams. But, um, right. yeah, moving away from that one, uh, the second one, I've been very excited. I've been very open about my thoughts on this trade. We've already discussed it a little bit. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson for DeMontis Sabonis and Justin Holiday. And I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not missing anything in that deal, but that was the basis of it. Um, I was frustrated because Sacramento is a terrible franchise. You're not going to bring in um, free agents. Uh, you're not going to, they've not, since they've not relatively drafted well in our lifetime or ever. And you found an absolute gem at number 12 that shouldn't have even fallen to you. And he wanted to be there. He had an awesome rookie season. He got hurt towards the very end, came back even better. Was playing amazing this year. Played well around Fox. But when Fox was out, you saw straight star potential in this dude. And so I was very frustrated. Um, I'm so happy for the Pacers. I think it's a great place for him. He's not too far away from home anymore. Uh, Pacers, I like. I just I like what they've got going on. They were able to get Jalen Smith at the deadline too. He was just one of those guys that you know, hard for him to play on a contender, but clear potential there. And he's been really good on the Pacers too since they got him. So, you know, being able to pair Halliburton with him and Duarte. Duarte's had a really good rookie year. Been really NBA ready on honestly both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, Heald is not terribly old, and neither is Miles Turner. And you just got some stuff to work with there. Carlisle's a solid coach. They're probably going to get a nice lottery pick. I'm really happy with what the Pacers have done. So I personally gave the Pacers an A+. Plus. I, I genuinely think they won the deadline over anybody else. They're my big winner. And I gave the Kings a D. Uh, when it comes to Sabonis, uh, you know, you've got a guy that he's really good, but he only has two years left on his contract. Uh, he's on a friendly deal right now. He's probably going to want big money. Uh, they're two and five since the trade, and their two wins come from the Thunder with no Lou Dort and no Josh Giddy, and the Wizards, Porzingis hadn't been playing yet, and no Bradley Beal. So seven games, two and five since the trade, 
While on the other hand, Tyrese Halliburton has played eight games with the Pacers. He is averaging 20 points, over nine assists, four rebounds, and he's shooting 51% from the field, 44% from three on high volume, and 81% from the free throw line. That's where I brought up earlier with Tyrese. Yeah. When yeah. I said he was a 20 and 10 guy. Yeah. And I, I was looking there. I could go on and on about that, but Blake, let me hear your thoughts on this trade. I'm not even, I'm going to talk about the trade, but overall, Pacers did win. I mean, they added um, Ricky Rubio, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. They got him in the Levert trade. Um, and they also we'll be, added we'll an expiring deal. Huh? Which is an expiring deal. It is. It is. Um, but um, they also got how many picks? I think two or three. They got, a, um, they got a first out of that. They got a first and two seconds out of that Levert deal. Yeah. And so, really, they added two picks because they had to trade one away to the Kings when they got that deal for Halliburton. Um, but going into the Halliburton trade, it's obviously an A-plus. Like, that is a great investment on the Pacers' part. Um, it wasn't working out with Levert and Sabonis. So, I mean, you got to move on somehow. So, um I mean, I, I really like it. I really do. Him and Hill, Buddy is – Buddy's going to be Buddy. He's going to get you points regardless. Um, but for being honest, the Kings, I don't know what to say about the franchise in general. Like, not even just this trade. Like, it's just a dumpster fire, if we're being honest. No, so, it's it's really tough to watch. Um, I was going to go into the two and five start, but you took it away perfectly. Um <laughs> But, I mean, I was really hoping for Sabonis that he could really be that guy for them. Like, I mean, I don't know, man. It's 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 tough to watch because I've always liked Sabonis. Oh, yeah, um, good player. And that's, great player. That's, this, and I think, I think you both would agree with me on this. When we discuss this deal, it is absolutely zero disrespect to DeMontis Sabonis as him as a player or what he's accomplished or what we think he may can accomplish. Like, he's great, but – it's we just, just can't play defense, but he's he's really yeah, good. yeah. And Tom, Tommy, <laughs> Tommy, let's just like let's hear your thoughts on this deal, and we'll kind of wrap it up on this one and go to the next one after we. Mm, okay, so as you guys know, this was uh, I didn't like this trade at all for the the Kings because it was a it was a for what deal for it was for what like what for yes. what. So I'm gonna give the Kings an F, and I'm gonna give the Pacers an A. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, I think we all could – I think we've all clearly voiced some frustration here just because we have no tithe to either of these teams. But it's just frustrating. You're the Kings, and everyday people can realize how much of a screw-up this was. And that's just oh, – enough with the Kings. Okay, done talking about the Kings. <laughs> Moving let's, on. Let's, let's if you guys on. could see this, Blake got got hit really hard earlier, and he's uh, taking some pay medicine. <laughs> Blake. You gotta give him some context, Tommy. Hold up, Blake's, hold up. Blake's uh, intramural basketball story. So, so I'm yeah. a I am a a walk on here at my university and um, big conference tournament game. Uh, no, not really. It was an intramural game. Hit a kid with a pump fake knee or something to the forehead, and I am seeing stars. So if I don't make sense, don't. I'll be the dark horse of this uh, this podcast. How many points you scored, Blake? Uh, you know, just a slight five. I mean, I think that was before he got hurt too. It was before I got hurt. I didn't score anything after the on, hit. On I think I, 
I really was, dude. Like first half, I mean, two for two. I had a fast break break. At le- <laughs> Ugh, I can't even speak. Fast break layup. Then went on. Actually, the first one was and one, which was really nice. But um, we ain't gonna get into it. Just know that I'm an absolute star. So yeah, it does in that championship. Uh, mm-hmm. Although, although no team traded for Blake Clark at the deadline, even though they or or signed him for a ten. No trade contract. clause. No tra- no trade clause. Or you know didn't sign him for a ten day contract. Next, we'll get into one of the more interesting ones, in my opinion, and I've seen thoughts really all over the place. Uh, Kind of shocked the whole NBA world. Uh, Chris Dapps Porzingis for Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans. Tommy, I want to hear from you first. Uh, what do you think about this deal? What do you, what do you grade both teams? What are your thoughts? <laughs> I think it's about the C right here because uh, <laughs> KP, he, 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 he tore his ACL, forgot how to play basketball a little bit. But... <laughs> <laughs> But I don't know. Um, we have both teams to see. I'm just uh, not too impressed with it. I don't have too much to say about it, to be honest. Yeah, my my initial my initial thoughts. I, I was kind of asking myself, like, what are the Mavericks doing? Like, <laughs> Davis Bertans is arguably the worst contract in the NBA. I mean, I know we've got some other ones that are bad, and I'm sure we'll get into that at some episode eventually, but. The dude's making $18 million and couldn't even crack the Wizards rotation this year. So, <laughs> so we've, we've got Davis Bertans first. And Spencer Dinwiddie, I just don't think him and Bradley Beal got along. Um, I think there was a lot of tension there, and that was just kind of getting him moved. Uh, you know, and although I questioned it at first, with a little context, you sort of understand – I think there was like there was tension with Bradley Beal and Dinwiddie. I think there was some clear tension with Luca and, and Porzingis. Okay, and also going off that, um, I think the Mavs were just so done to be with that contract. You know, they gave him that contract. It looked good at the time, but now it was like, oh my lord, like we need to get off of this. And if you look at it from this viewpoint, they're able to get Dinwiddie and Bertans contracts off the books before Kristaps would have been off the books, and. If you also don't want to look that far into the future, um, uh, it is definitely easier to trade two contracts that are about 17 or 18 million a piece separately than it is to trade that one contract of 33, 34 million dollars. So, you know, I kind of get it. And to the Mavs credit, they've been better since they made the trade. Um, but maybe that's just kind of a rejuvenation from a team that was ready to move on. We'll see. But, uh, Blake, I, I graded the Mavs a C-plus because I think there's a lot of ifs to it. I graded the Wizards a B. At the end of the day, there's still, poor, there's still uh, potential in Porzingis, and they did get off one of the worst contracts in the NBA. And the worst. Yeah. And they're the worst. And they're keeping their star. They're keeping – whether you think they should trade him or not, their star wants to be there, and they're keeping him happy by moving Dinwiddie. This frees up Kyle Kuzma a little bit more. I mean, it's just – so I gave the Wizards a B. I gave the Mavs a C plus. But I do think there's a lot of potential for the Mavericks side of this if a lot of things go their way in the long term. Blake, what did you think about this trade? Uh, we're going to get into it real quick. We're talking about a guy in Bretons who – or how do you say his name? Bretons, right? Yes. Okay, so I want to make sure I'm getting it right. That's never averaged more than 15 points a game, and that was for one season. One season. That's not when they gave him the contract extension either. No, they waited the next year when he had a four-point decrease – and then they're like, you know what, buddy? We're going to give you $16 million a year for five years. Like, I don't get it. And then he comes out, drops six points, 
um, you know, something slight. And then he's on his way, you know, getting shipped off. Um, I'm giving the the Mavs just because of him. I'm giving them a C minus. I like Dinwiddie. Uh, Dinwiddie is a ball player. Um, uh, you and know, in his fairness, he's still coming off the torn ACL. I mean, he is. I'm not. I'm not discrediting him anyway. Yeah, form. Yeah. It's just I don't. We don't know yet. Just because of it. No, yeah, and I, so. and I know you weren't. I just wanted to jump in and say that because I know some people are probably going to hear you saying he's a solid ball player, and they're just going to be like, oh, well, then what he's been terrible this year. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's coming off the torn ACL, him and Bradley Building mm-hmm. along. We, we, we def- I was a victim of this too, but we got to give the guy a chance in Dallas. We do. We do. I mean, he's averaging – since he's been with the Mavs, he's averaging 14 points a game and, like, four assists. 60% from the field too. So yeah, we'll, I mean – He won't, he won't keep that. Him a little bit. But, yeah. but I like that. So, But – uh. As far as the wizard side of it, I like it. Like, I'm not a Porzingis hater. Um, you know, I'd give them probably a C-plus or a B-minus, uh, just depending on how I'm feeling on the day. Um, it could really go either way. Um, you know, he's a spot-up shooter. Um, it's it's tough, man. Um, I don't I, – I really don't want to hate on the guy. I really, I really want him to succeed – um, I really want to see what he can do with the Wizards. He's going to have a little bit more freedom, I believe, there. Um, so, I think it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Uh, definitely definitely the most confusing trade to the NBA world, though. I think we can agree on Oh, that. it was. It was. Like, I think they could have shipped him somewhere else and got something better, for yeah. sure. Um, but, I, I don't know. I guess they just saw that Breton's contract, and they're like, we want that. Yeah. So, I mean. Um, next trade, I don't think this one is a huge topic of discussion. Uh, the Karis Levert for Rubio and, you know, they did get a first in two seconds, but let's – it's basically Levert for Rubio and a first. Uh, you know, the Pacers weren't going to extend Karis Levert this offseason. He was eligible for it. They weren't going to do it. It hadn't been the greatest experiment with him there. He hadn't been bad by any means. But it just wasn't – he doesn't – he doesn't necessarily fit a rebuilding timeline. He's kind of past that age. Um, so it was just a weird dilemma there. He didn't necessarily fit with their pieces and even with pieces that I guess they thought that they were going to acquire. And so I get it why they traded him. They got Rubio out of it, but they're going to be able to clear the books there. And he's an expiring deal this year. And, I mean, you got a first-round pick. So, you know, I'm, I just think it's solid, both sides. I think it does help the Cavs. That's some shot creation that they were going to need come playoff time. But I think that there's more of a long-term grade to this trade, depending on Karis LeVert's extension this offseason with Cleveland, because they will extend him. What he's getting paid going forward and how he produces will, I think, be a big part of how this trade looks in the long run. Uh, Tommy, how do you feel about this one? I didn't necessarily give this one a grade. I think it's kind of average for both. I'd I'd say probably I'm going to go B-minus for the Pacers, and I'll give the Cavs a B. But Tommy, how did you feel yeah. about this trade? Yeah, it's a very, uh, very even trade. They both have about the same grade. I gave them a B plus for the Cavs and a B f- for the Pacers. Um, just because of uh, the Karis Levert uncertainty is why I couldn't rate the Cavs higher, and the Rubio her right now so I can't really say much but yeah Blake just real quick thoughts on this one uh well let's see going into LeBert 
I love that guy. He's a player. I mean, he's averaging 18 for the Pacers. Ship him off to Cleveland, getting you about 14 a game right now. But that's small sample size, only been about four games. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he works in the rotation. I mean, I think he can I think he can play wherever you put him. Uh, he's just one of those guys that's going to go out and get you points. Uh, he's going to be good for the team. Uh, I'd probably say that it was an equal trade. Uh, I'm not really favored either way. We could say it's a B and a B, C and a C. Doesn't really matter. It's 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 going to be interesting to see, especially if he can stay healthy. Uh, you know, he's always got injury concerns. I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things, man. Yeah, it's a it was a trade that I don't nothing crazy to me. I'll just put it. it there. Yeah, it happened. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, this will be the last trade we talk about the deadline, and it'll kind of bring us because we're going to talk about the Pelicans and the Blazers here, and we will kind of transition to the Blazers and their movement. But uh, Pelicans traded Josh Hart, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, their first-round pick for this year. It wasn't a huge deal. They're going to get – they have a – I think it's swap rights with the – or not – no, they just have the Lakers' unprotected pick. So they they think they may make the playoffs. They're trading their first-round pick in two seconds. Uh, I think it was a win-win. Both sides, and I'll get into that more whenever I talk about the Blazers. Whenever we discuss that topic, uh, I think CJ McCollum, he, as you like, he's been great since this trade. Great, and I think part of that is just I think people that have watched the Blazers closely have known that CJ is a great player, and they know how good. But it's just hard sometimes because you go so long being that, you know, Dame's amazing but you have to give Dame that much more touches than CJ. And it's not, it's like, I'm not saying that I fault the Blazers for giving CJ less touches than Dame, but it's just like, you see what CJ is able to do when he's given those touches. And so it's like CJ's he's playing more of a point guard role too. And I think that that's a little more natural to him because he's more of a com he's more of an undersized combo guard. But, you know, aside from CJ McCollum, I thought getting Larry Nance Jr. and Tony Snell was pretty big time out of this deal for the Pelicans. I mean, Tony Snell is one of those guys that the past few years has just shot the ball really well. I mean, he doesn't play huge minutes anywhere. He may give you 15 spot minutes, but he's going to shoot it really well. I mean, I think there was a time where there was two or three seasons. I don't know if it's still going on. He hadn't missed a free throw. And and he's shooting, you know, he's above average three-point shooter, good catch and shoot. and Larry Nance Jr. is just kind of one of those versatile four four guys that you can play at the five, two in small ball lineups, and he can hit a three maybe here and there. I just – I like that deal for them. And then the Pacers – I mean, on the Blazers side of things, I think Josh Hart, really good player. Uh, I think he kind of fits what they need around Dame, more of a defensive style. I think that's what they needed to transition to in breaking up this current team. And they did get Nikhil Alexander-Walker, but they flipped him for Joe Ingles and a second. And so that was just kind of like a to create salary cap. And then they did get a first-round pick out of it. So, you know, I like that. Uh, Blake, what did you think about this trade? Um, I liked it from both standpoints. Um, Pelicans were able to get a great piece in McCollum. And then also good – 
pieces around him, Larry Nance and Snell, familiar players going into it with guys that you played with. Uh, Blazer side of it, they went more of an uh, age thing. Got a lot of young guys in their locker room now. Sure, they traded away two of them right after to get Joe Ingles, the one of the greatest basketball players of our generation. Co- totally joking. But they were able to get a lot of guys in there. Um, picks as well. So the Blazers, I think I'd probably give them this trade a B plus um, because they were able to take some of those guys from that trade and flip into others. So it was good pieces in that way and also getting two picks out of it. I mean, actually three picks, excuse me. But um, I, I liked it. I, I liked it for them. Pelicans, I'd probably give them anywhere between a B plus and A minus. Um, getting CJ, letting him be hit the man there, really. I mean, you still got Brandon Ingram there, but CJ, CJ's going to be their guy. And yeah. Depending yeah. on if they can get Zion back. It, it, it'll be interesting to see where the Pelicans go from here. Yeah, and I, I meant to give my grades. You know, I'm going Pelicans A minus, plays B plus here. But okay, Tommy, we had around the same one. Tommy, uh, wrap this one up for us. You know, what are, would anything stick out to you in this trade? Who did you think anybody was a winner in particular? Oh, yeah, this was like I said, this was my favorite trade. Uh, was the the Pelican, uh, uh the Pelicans getting CJ McCollum. So I don't necessarily think that Zion even needs to come back for this team to be that good, you know. The West is real weak right now. We, I, I know we're probably going to talk about the West in another episode, but um, the rest, West is real weak right now. They're going to probably jump the Lakers, so I'm, I'm going to give them an A-plus. And um, the, the Blazers, I'm really going to give a B-plus to because who tries to trade to rebuild and gets better? Like, that doesn't normally happen. Yeah. Um, and they're playing better now, too. So, they hell, they might even jump the Lakers. Yeah, and I I liked your point um, about the Pelicans being good even without Zion. I mean, they started the year like one and twelve or one and thirteen, and I mean, look where they're at now. It's like, you know. So I I one hundred percent agree. I think this is totally a playoff team if they started the year with this group, even without Zion Williamson. So, you know, the hope is obviously that they get him back, but we'll see. But. Now, and I'm sure we're going to talk about Zion in another episode as well. Yes, we will definitely get to that at some point. But uh, now we're going to fully transition into the specific Portland Trail Blazers. Going into the Blazers moves, this kind of – some people have called it a rebuild. Some people are asking, what are the Blazers doing? Some people – like myself, are sitting here actually thinking that the Blazers may be ahead of all of us on this one. Uh, I think that they have a good idea of what they're doing, actually. But um, just to kind of go over what all the Blazers have done, they traded Norman Powell and Robert Covington to the Clippers. Um, They acquired Eric Bledsoe, Keon Johnson, uh, a second-round pick. Help me out. I know I'm missing a player. Um, and Justice Winslow, yeah. And so they acquired those guys. Uh, the Pelicans deal, like we just went over, um, 
you know, you guys heard what they got. They flipped Nikhil Alexander-Walker into Joe Ingles and a second-round pick. Joe Ingles will be a expiring contract. He'll be off their books this offseason. And with that and with Nurkic being a free agent this offseason, the Blazers will have around $60 million in cap space this offseason. Um, you know, they've ended up with, in total, Josh Hart, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, a first-round pick, and four seconds. I, I like what they're doing. I think Josh Hart's a really good player. I think Justice Winslow has been good for them while he's there. Um, you know, Keon, we'll see. But uh, some definitely some potential, maybe even be a solid backup guard or something. A first-round pick, always a good asset. Four seconds, you know. You never know what you can turn seconds into. So um, I just want to go to you, Tommy, real quick and just ask, do you – do you like what the Blazers have done in any sort? And how do you think Damian Lillard may feel about all this? Or what do you think Dame may do going forward? Do you think Damian Lillard is bought in? Or do you think that he's maybe told the franchise, you know, go to go ahead and prepare for a rebuild? Where do you think his head's at? Or where do you think this organization is going? Mm, so truthfully and honestly, I think there are points in this year where J- uh, Damian Lillard was going back and forth, and I think he um, set his mind towards go ahead and rebuild. But um, he's a Portland guy through and through. He loves the city, loves everything about the city. He expressed he just wants to win there. So I think they are doing that. So he – I don't know. I truthfully don't know. I I think that that's fair. And, uh, you know, I personally, I like it. Like I said, big on Josh Hart. Uh, got some assets here. I think they have some of their own picks. And, uh, you know, when you've got Dame, you got Hart there. Uh, well, I'll get into Anthony Simons here in a moment, um, specifically if I talk about if they go to the rebuild. But with the cap space and some of the assets that they've acquired, uh, you know, I think Dame stays. And I think that this is just a reshape of the whole team. And I think he wanted this last offseason, but the team wasn't able to do a whole lot. I know they've had some front office changes that kind of hurt what they were trying to maybe do. But, you know, I, I think he's in it. I think he was – I think he, he's obviously on board for these moves. I don't think that they do them without his kind of okay. And I think that he – I think he is going to try to win there, like you mentioned. And, you know, I'm going to pose Blake a question. Uh Blake, I've written down five targets that I think could be potential guys that the Blazers can maybe look at with this cap space and some of their assets to trade. And I just want to ask you first, who do you think is the most realistic and who do you think would end up being the best fit with Damian Lillard? Again, this is pure speculation. I just think that some of these guys are in for maybe a, a trade or a trade and these guys may be – <clears throat> just for current situations, just completely think because something this cap space is not for nothing, and it's not really going to be to sign anybody this off season because you're not you're not going to have a big time free agent market. Most of your guys are probably locked in to stay where they're at, or it would be like like a sign and trade type deal. So it's not really going to be necessarily free agency stuff. Maybe a little bit with role players, but right. five players I have: Jeremy Grant, okay. Pascal Siakam. 
Miles Turner, Carl Anthony Towns, and Zion Williamson. Zion will be number five on my list. Um, <laughs> I'm not touching him. Um, I'm going to, real quick. I'm going to elaborate on why I said Zion. Okay. Um, we'll we'll definitely go into Zion, like Tommy said, at some point in an episode. But, uh, you know, it's clear that he's not the happiest in New Orleans. Um, we'll see. Maybe he gets healthy. There's a report today that he's doing better in the process. But uh, he's been rehabbing in Portland, actually, this whole time. And uh, he's due for an, he's due for an extension this summer, and we'll see if they work something out there. Uh, and if they don't, um, or even if they do, and then he's well, no, I'll say this: if they don't, uh, I don't necessarily think his he would have some high trade value. But I don't necessarily think that it would take some Godfather package, or that people would be willing to give that up because of his injury history. So that's the only reason I threw him in there. Just wanted to clarify. I get you. I get you. Um, if I'm saying who I think, like, best fit-wise, I'd probably go with Grant. Um, I like that one. I, I, I like what Grant brings to the table. Um, with that defense. He has – yeah, but, I mean, he's, he's really bought into the Pistons. He came out and said – I can't remember what it was, but he – He's bought into them, so I don't know if they'll trade it. That's the best fit, I think. Uh, most likely, it's tough. I don't. I don't really know if I see the Timberwolves going away from Cat. Um, so that that's more of a probably not going to happen. But that probably. was more that was more of a if a blow up kind of happened. But they've yeah, been yeah. playing. They've been playing well as of recent. Yeah. So it was just kind of. It was just a random idea. Oh yeah, I understand. Um, Miles Turner, I don't think the Pacers are going to go away with him since they shipped off Sabonis. Yeah. Um, he's kind of having a down year right now anyway. I mean, I think he's giving them about 12 points a night with about eight boards and two blocks. I mean, he's he's a defensive juggernaut out there for sure uh, going around the rim. Um, but I, I don't see that. Uh, that leaves probably Pascal. Um, uh Raptors aren't really going to be making much noise this postseason. Uh, so if they were at, in the playoffs, of course. So if they were wanting to go through, maybe moving on from him uh, because he uh, he's got some uh, he's got some years ahead of him that are going to be pretty good. I mean, he's averaged twenty points the past three seasons at least. Um, so he's another great piece that if if the Blazers could pull it out. I mean, I don't think it would – honestly, I don't think it would take – I mean, it would take quite a bit, but I don't think it would be something that would just be off the books like crazy. Yeah. Um, I mean, they just got, what, four set four picks at four the trade seconds, deadline? Four seconds of first. They own some of their own picks, and we'll get into Anthony Simons here in a moment, but they yeah. have Anthony Simons, and they have, you know, I don't know if they would, but Josh Hart's there. Just Winslow's been solid. Uh, they just signed um, and dude from dude from LSU, uh, Trenton Watford to a multi-year deal. He's been solid there. So I mean, they got CJ Elby's been solid since they decided to go to this. Since Dame's been out, like they just they got some stuff to work with for sure. Oh yeah, they do. Um, so I mean, I'd say honestly, give the uh, give the Raptors two seconds 
a first-round pick, throw in whoever you want right there, whoever out of those picks. I mean, not picks, out of those players. It doesn't matter. If you can get Pascal to go alongside Simmons, Dame, I, I think that's a great – I think that's great because Simmons is going to be great in this league. And if you can give him a competent big man down there, not Nurkic, he's gone. Yeah. So long. Like, but if you can, you can get them, like, through a piece, it's like you can throw Winslow in there. Uh, go ahead and chip Keon around since that's what everyone loves to do. I don't know why. He's such a great athlete. But, um, you know, um, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't think they need to get rid of Simmons. Uh, but you can touch any of those other players. I would be – I'd be cautious around Hart. I think they that's a great piece that just fell into their lap. Um, so, I mean, he, he goes well with them right now. Uh, I like what he's doing. I think he's going to be a solid player uh, for as long as he's in this league. So, you know, keep at it. Keep chipping I, away. I agree. I definitely hope, especially if Dame is still – whether Dame's there or not, I hope Josh Hart's a piece that they keep. Oh, yeah. But yeah, Dame's going to stay there, dude. Like, Dame is a trailblazer until he dies. Like, he ain't going to run away from the grind. Um <laughs> Tommy, do you have a specific player on that list? And, again, guys, this is just – we won't do a ton of segments in this sense. I mean, we're talking about the Blazers, but just this little quick tidbit about – we won't do a whole lot of hypotheticals. But, Tommy, do you have any of those players or maybe anybody that we haven't mentioned that you think could be a possibility in Portland? Uh, I, I'm a, I like Blake's pick a lot. I'm a, I like Grant. Uh, he has – all the pieces you need to pair with Damian Lillard, who it, who now officially he was before, but he's a fit like he has full control, like he has the keys. Yeah, like uh, he was, he kind of had a passenger driver with us, uh, CJ, trying to lead the way a little bit, but um, now it's his team, so I think Grant would be the perfect. And I. I think Grant makes sense here. Uh, they weren't in any urge. The Pistons weren't to trade Grant at the deadline because he still has another year going into next year. Like, it's not like he was going to be a free agent this offseason. And, I mean, they like what he brings to the table and just kind of like instilling this culture with some of their other guys. So, they were in no rush to trade him. Um but he does want a big extension going forward, and I think he's capable of being a really good second or third option, and he wants to be like that second option. And that's why other teams, although they were pursuing him, he was behind closed doors. I think Grant was pretty much saying to certain teams, you don't want me because that's not what I want. And so I think the Blazers could give him what he wants. And so I, I love that fit. I think it's a real possibility. As the other four, I'm not going to lie to you, I'm more thrown out there. I think Jeremy Grant to Portland is a real possibility, and I'm in love with the thought of it. But let's say here that the Blazers aren't able to make anything happen and that Dame asks out. And we won't talk about where Dame would go, but I just want to go into the Blazers' rebuild part of things. I like where they're at because of the moves that they've made, the assets they've acquired picked up a few young players here and there, and they've got a special player, in my opinion. And, you know, there was a lot of potential out of the dude. He kind of reclassed, I think, if I remember correctly, went to the draft. Um, always showed some flashes just here and there, but you never knew. 
But this year, just with more opportunity, he's just been really good when he's gotten those chances. And that's obviously Anthony Simons that we've been wanting to talk about. And he has started in, I think, his 29 games this season. And he's averaging 21 points and six assists, shooting 45% from the field, 41% from three on, I think, what was nine or ten threes a game. It's, it's ten threes since, since, the, since Dame's been out and 86% from the free throw line. I just think they're in good hands. That's why I liked their moves at the deadline. I think they're in a good position for if they do keep Dame or if they don't keep Dame. And Anthony Simons is a big reason why. Uh, how do you guys – Blake, how do you feel about Anthony Simons? Oh, Anthony Simons, he's he's incredible. Um, he is a player that I think now that he's given a shot to show what he's capable of, I don't think he's going to slow down, um, not for a little bit at least. Um, I mean, if you have Dame there that is mentoring him uh, along the way, I mean, that's, that's a great player to, like, show you the reins. Um, I mean – the future of Portland, uh, the young guys they have, like, all around, not just him. I, I really like how, what they're doing. I really do. Um, I could see it. Tommy, you got anything to say about him? Uh, yeah, I just I – just, I think they need to uh, keep their money right because uh, they don't pay him, somebody else is. He's a restricted free agent, so. Um, is he? I did not realize he is yeah. due for payday this offseason. Yeah, so um, – they better pay the man is all I'm going to say. They, they got to pay the man. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's March 3rd. I say he averages 23 points a game at least for the rest of the season from this point on. And I, I totally am behind you on that. So just kind of just our last point of, the, of this podcast, um, branching off of Simon specifically because he's one of those young players. We talked about Halliburton as well. We just want to dive into a little bit of the future of the league and kind of, you know, we think the league's in pretty good hands. I think a lot of people think the league's in pretty good hands. There's a lot of good talent at a young age at this point, and you're seeing more and more draft prospects every year, it seems, that just seem NBA-ready uh, whenever they're going into the draft. But, uh, you know, I've got some – we've got our established young stars. We've got our Booker, Job, Donovan Mitchell, Luka Doncic, Jamal Murray, and DeJounte Murray, Shea Gillis-Alexander, Darius Garland, uh, both – Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, LaMelo Ball, Trey Young. Like, you know, we've got those guys. And, you know, sorry if I missed somebody, but we've got those guys. But we want to really get into here some young players that we've maybe watched or really kept up with that we're pretty high on. So, Tommy, I'm going to go to you first. Who's a few guys in the league right now that maybe haven't hit that star status yet that's pretty young that you really like to watch or you enjoy watching or you think has a really bright future in this league? I'm gonna say his name first because you knew you you already knew I was gonna say his first name first, but Trey Young for sure. I think the kid's special. So, so yeah, I know I agree, but like I'd say Trey is one of those like established already. Yeah. So like I'm thinking more like, and I totally agree. Trey's gonna be awesome. He might Trey might be top twelve, top ten player in the league right now, but that's just a conversation for another day. I'm kind of going more the lines of like, you know, maybe they've shown flashes, maybe they've been good, but you know, not necessarily hit that kind of like all-star status or right there yet. Like, you know, just those guys that have shown those those flashes are been good. And you, you just think that they're kind of, whether they're under the radar or not, you think that they have a really bright future in this league. 
and that they're going to make that type of jump here in the next few years. Mm, I'm going to go with the Canadian uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. He's uh, I mean, he's kind of already established, but he hasn't really made the all-star game. I think well, he's a replacement maybe. Yeah. But, and I, um, I listed him as an established, but I did have to sit back and I'm, I'm really high on Shea. I have to realize he is very underrated. So just keep, keep, keep going with how you, how you feel about Shea, because I'm all on board with whatever you're about to say. Yeah, he's been in the league four years, playing incredible right now. Um, I think he's shooting well, shooting about 50% from the field, 41 from deep. So kids, kids going to be – wait till LeBron retires, wait till all these dudes retire. He's going to be somebody – everybody's going to be talking about. So Shea's last four, because he was hurt for a while. He came back. He's had, like, it was either 35 or 36, 37, 32 or 33, something like that. And he had 29 last night, and they beat Denver in Denver. He's awesome. I mean, he is awesome. Yeah. But uh, Blake, who are who's a guy or two or even three or something that you just – you really like that's just shown some flashes and that you think, you know, like like Tommy thinks with Shea, could be that guy for a team one day. I got three for you. Uh, you didn't mention R.J. Barrett in your little spill. I, so. have, I have R.J. in mind, so I'm ready to hear this. R.J. has been incredible since he's come back. He was inactive for a little bit, and his three games back, man's averaging 33 points a game. Yes. Going insane. And that, he's doing that on a 48-42, like 68 split, something like that. I mean – Free throws aren't his specialty, but they never have been. But dude is shooting 30 – I mean, he's having 33 points a game, like seven rebounds, five assists in this time back. And Knicks are awful right now. They're terrible. Not going to say they're not. But RJ is establishing himself as a star up there in New York, and I don't see him slowing down one bit. Um, we could probably talk for a long time about RJ and his importance to him. But I'm just going to move on since we're just trying to hit, hit a couple of them. Next one is a little bit of a homer move. Um, going with Terrence Mann. He's not going to be a star, but he's going to be one of those guys that is going to be a great role player for you. Um, he's going to bring great defense every night. He'll go out there and he'll score. And actually right now I think he's not doing too shabby right now against the incredible Lakers. Uh, he's, he's, he's having an okay night. Just nine, four, and four. Nothing spectacular. Um, but um, I think Terrence Mann, I mean, I, I love the kid. I, he is a great player. Shows some heart all the time. Um, I like the little rivalry of him and Luca. Yeah. Um, that, that's fun to watch. But the last guy I want to bring up that um, I, I think y'all could agree on is Desmond Bain. Um, what a progression he, from him. Yeah, he is um, – he's jumped from last season having nine points a game, this season 17 and a half. Um, so, he's proven this season because he started every single game. And I think, I think what's big there is if you told Grizzlies fans or even NBA fans in general that Dylan Brooks was barely going to have played at this point, oh, yeah, uh, they would have been kind of concerned. Oh, yeah. And Desmond Bain has really stepped up and – Filled those shoes. And, yes. and they're a half game out of second right now in the West. I mean, 
He's been awesome. Keep going, man. He's been great. Um, I mean, he's shooting about 40% from the three. Um, I mean, he's putting up shots every night, um, putting up at least seven threes a game. So, I mean, shooting them at a high clip, he's going to keep that up. I, I really like how he is, like, a great piece for Jaw. Like, Jaw is, like, he's the best point guard in the league right now. No no doubt about it. I, I and so the pieces that he has around him, especially Desmond Bain, really helps him space the floor because Jaw always he's always going to have that attention. Like you got to pay attention to the Jaw every minute of the game, without a question. Forty eight minutes, you better know where Jaw is. So having that attention that he brings helps these guys on the wings and all around him just flourish. And that's really why I think Desmond's had such a great year. He's not getting his flowers. Sure, he was in the three-point, but people aren't really paying attention much to him just because of the season that Jaws having. I would agree. He's kind of he's kind of being left under the radar with a lot of that Grizzlies roster. And all, uh-huh. all credit to Jaw in the world. I agree. He's yeah. been, I think he's been the best point guard in the world this season. But a lot of that Grizzlies team is not getting the credit they deserve. That's a great team. Yeah. But, really good. I agree. But uh, I've got three specifically that I want to dive into. My first one is Scotty Barnes. You know, Scotty. I know I know he's I know he's second rookie of the year right now. I still don't feel like he's getting covered as much as he should. Uh, the intangibles and the IQ of this dude to be a first year player is ridiculous. You watch him play, and he's just the things he's seeing on the floor as a 19 year old or 18, whatever he is. It's like you just don't see it much, especially for somebody that's like a six nine forward like he is that is he's he's arguably the best defender on the floor most nights both teams included he's so versatile he can switch and stay with guards he's so strong even though he's as young as he is to be able to hold his own for most bigs down low and he's like he's some people may not like this comp but I think if you don't like the comp I don't think you've watched Scotty Barnes enough it's it's not as good, but he plays in a similar way to Giannis. And I think that that was the Raptors' vision when they drafted him, and I've heard people talk about it before. But the way he pushes the ball up the floor, you know, he's he's going to have to continue to get stronger and develop. But he's he's got more of a jumper a little bit than, than Giannis did. Not necessarily when Giannis started because it took a while, but as he became more of a star player, it's like Scotty Barnes is kind of ahead in that sense. And so I'm really excited to see his growth. My second one is Cam Thomas. I thought he was a steal of the draft when it happened. I still think he may not be the big steal of the draft now. I'd have to go, have to really look at it, but he's still one of them. Dude's an absolute bucket. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what's needed the most in the league. And when you can see some of the shots this dude hits, just the way he's able to create space, the way he attacks mismatches is he scores at all three levels. Like I love the dude. I love watching him. He may not ever be a star, but I think there's a I think there's a long future in the league for that dude. And my last one, Tommy, I think you're gonna agree that you like this one because he is on your team. I'm very high on DeAndre Hunter. And my thing with DeAndre Hunter is there is always going to be a spot in this league for a guy that can defend pretty much anybody on the court and give them problems that can create a little bit of his own shot, and that is very good catch and shoot. And I think a comp for me is a Mikel Bridges. I think he plays very similarly to Mikel Bridges. I love, I'm 
I'm as big of a Mikel Bridges stan as anybody you'll you'll talk to about Mikel, about basketball and Mikel Bridges. Um, you know, I just DeAndre Hunter has that he has a chance to be a really good piece alongside Trey Young, and he already is. Health has been kind of an issue for him last season and this season. The Hawks have a way better record when he's playing than when he's not. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited for him going forward as well. Uh, is there anybody, either of you, would also like to mention that you think we may have covered, whether it just came or that we haven't mm-hmm. covered that may have came to you or anything? We're talking yeah, about like we missed out on them earlier, but um, definitely probably Josh Giddy too. He's having a great year. Yes. I yeah, love we missed that. We missed out on him. But we did. We did definitely miss out on Giddy. That vision that dude has is incredible. <laughs> just give it a few years. He's already one of just the in the league. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, um, but, yeah, I think we, we covered a lot this time, um, especially with the, the Blazers. It's going to be interesting, you know, seeing what they do. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the East is going to continue to be crazy. I don't think yeah. – I, I think it'll come down to the last few days before we can really see what some of these playoff matchups are going to be. Um, I like a lot of the moves at the deadline. Some of them, obviously, to be determined. And, you know, like Blake said with the Blazers, uh, a lot of ifs. But I think all three of us can agree that we like either route that's taken. And, you know, I think it's just – it's good to talk about the future of the league sometimes. And we all think it's a good chance. Uh, we appreciate any of you that have tuned in and listened to this. I know that this this is probably going to be a little bit longer than the most pods that we have are going to be probably around 70, 75 minutes on average. This one is definitely longer. Had to get the intros in. You know, it's our first podcast. We're still definitely learning how to branch off of each other, but we really do appreciate if you've listened. And so with that being said, this will be the end of our first episode. So thanks for tuning in to Coast to Coast. We'll be we'll back see you next time. Yep. See y'all.